uh, I, I think when you when you make some kind of a transformation with fitness, you have a piece of your identity that is wrapped up in it, and wrapped up very specifically in 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 what you're doing. Not just generally, I'm an active person. I can, you know, I'm very fluid about things here and there. No, it's usually like I am a runner, or I am a crossfitter, or I am a lifter. That is part of who I am. That is really hard for people to let go of. That was really hard for me to let go of, which now that I say it, it sounds a little silly because of all of the damage I was doing to my body constantly. <laughs> but it really is like you have to mourn the loss of potentially like not not stopping activity altogether. And I think that's where the healthcare system gets it wrong but shifting what you're doing a little bit so that it more closely aligns with your goals. You know what I mean? And that's what, that's what pain-free fitness is all about. It's, uh, you don't have to have this huge uh, mental strain when it comes to fitness. You don't have to damage your body in order to make progress. You do have to look at what you're doing and look at where you wanna be and kind of know your why and really be rational about is what I'm doing aligning with my ultimate why. That is Mariah Heller, and I'm Brian Falchuk. This is Do A Day. You'll hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned. I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know we can all overcome and achieve because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers, welcome to another episode of Do A Day. This is number 98. We're so close to number 100. I am really lucky to have this guest on. Uh, this is Mariah Heller. Mariah and I were on a podcast or a, a webinar, actually, about different ways to be more resilient to make it through this current situation all of us finds ourselves in with the coronavirus, COVID-19 where you know we're facing new kinds of anxieties maybe we haven't faced before. We're facing restrictions we haven't faced before. We're facing risks we haven't faced before, or many of us haven't faced before. And each of us in the webinar took a different piece of that puzzle, and Mariah finished it off with a conversation around helping your physical wellness, and that's her space. So she's a professional trainer, She's a gym co-founder, she's an author, speaker, certified massage therapist, and someone who, you know, if you, if you look at her and if you see the episode graphics and the, the show page, you'll see that she's super fit. Um, that's not always been her story, or more accurately, her fitness, even though she's had you know, good levels of fitness at different points in her life, her fitness hasn't necessarily been easy because she's someone who has lived with chronic pain for years. And that's really the story we get into. And it's the genesis for the business she started called Pain-Free Fitness. And what it is is a way to help people find their fitness, but without a lot of the overdoing it, the injury uh, or the, the um, high levels of injury and overuse or overstress that you so often find in a lot of fitness contexts where it's about push, push, push. So because she lives with pain, she has had to develop a way to have her own fitness be part of her life without stopping her life. So she wasn't going from injury to injury. And 
her relationship with pain is a really interesting one because it's there. It's always there. And she has a number of things she can do to protect herself from it getting worse and to help cope with it. But pain is a, a common theme, a common, it has a common presence in every day of her life. And so that really, I mean, you can, you can start to understand in hearing her story how that can be an inspiration for something that, frankly, a lot of people need, especially, you know, maybe not when you're younger, but as we age, as I can attest to, this becomes more front and center for a lot of us, or perhaps we wish it doesn't become front and center, and Mariah's approach can help protect us from that. It's a really thoughtful, personalized approach to developing a fitness practice that protects you uh, instead of burning you out, instead of hurting you. Just a beautiful theory, beautiful approach, and not just theory, it's something she's actually put into practice. Let's get into Mariah's story, understanding the genesis of why she does what she does with pain-free fitness, and think about how, with the advice she gives, you might be able to bring that into your own world. So let's get into this episode with Mariah Heller. Mariah Heller, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I like we were just on this uh, webinar together. I really, um, I really appreciate the message and the work that you're doing today. And then as you were given some of your background, as we got to know each other, like I, I was really impressed because it's not just like, oh, I'm interested in this space and I want to help people. Yeah. Um, but it directly came out of your own story. And so I was like, you, I don't know if you caught it with me perking up on the call, but I was suddenly like holding myself back to be like, I gotta get you on my show. Um, <laughs> but I'm very excited to have you on. Well, thank you so much. I was very inspired by your story too. So thank I'm you. really, I'm just, I'm honored. Thank you. Cool. And shout out to Fernando Flores for making the connection. Yes. Um, he's given me a, a few good folks to connect with. So um, Fernando's awesome. never stirred me wrong. Um, so tell us a little bit about, just give us like the overview of, of what you do today, and then we'll jump back into what led to that so people can hear that inspiration. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a company called Pain-Free Fitness. Um, it is exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> so I, my goal with Pain-Free Fitness is to bring a more, I guess, reasonable mindset to a very extreme industry. So I've been in the fitness industry for a while and we'll talk about that and kind of how I got into it. Cause that's kind of unconventional too, but, um, you know, something that I started to realize really several years ago and kind of through my own issues with my body and things like that, that there really weren't a lot of answers for, um, people that just wanted to be healthy and didn't want to approach fitness in an extreme way. And so that's my goal with pain-free fitness is to kind of take that element out of it and really give people a solution that's sustainable. So where did this come from? And I was surprised Instagram stalking you, uh, uh -huh. prepping for the show. Like you, you're super fit. You were not always super fit. Um, uh -huh. So obviously, like you've got your own transformation story in there. But where did uh, where did the desire to focus on creating a pain-free approach to fitness? And, and you're right, it can be a very extreme, especially like since CrossFit blew up on the scene and um, obstacle yeah. course racing, like it is about beat yourself up and be tough. Yeah, exactly. So that is actually, from a fitness standpoint, that is actually the world that I kind of came from. Mm. Um, 
I was a martial artist for the first, you know, 16, 17 years of my life, actually moved to Los Angeles. I was a professional singer and dancer. Oh. And um, from there, you know, just having experiences in the industry that I didn't really love, I wound up pivoting into fitness. And so you probably are talking about the before and after of yeah. me in like 2012. Yeah, yeah. There's one specific so shot was, where you've got both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that first picture was actually coming out of a time right after I had left LA. And the the industry is an interesting place. Um, all I'll really say about it is most of the stories you hear are true. So, you know, the eating disorders and uh, drug use and everything like that. Those are so real, especially as a young woman. I was it's there like alone. The show when business I was... industry or fitness? Yes. Industry? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Show business. Show business. Yeah. yeah. And there's a little bit of that in fitness too. Like there are some parallels, but in show business, um, you know, you are definitely, there are certain expectations placed on you as a young woman. Mm -hmm. So I developed some fun eating disorders and things like that, that just really kind of ravaged my metabolism. And that's where that first picture was of me. I okay. just, I gained about, I mean, I was, I was probably about 40 pounds heavier there than I am now. Yeah. So, and, and it was quick. It was really quick. Um, and it took me about three years to lose that. Yeah. So, so the body reacts when you don't, you don't respect its needs and don't treat it right. It'll react. It quickly. really does. Yeah. It really does. And I think emotional stress translates to physical stress so much more than we think it does yeah and so sort of in in parallel to that i started to have these pains and i was about 18 years old but i started to have this pain right so i had come out of the entertainment industry i was recovering from my eating disorder and i got super into crossfit so I had been doing CrossFit since I was like 16, got super into it, was doing two a days, everything like that. And I just, I noticed this hip pain and this shoulder pain that was not going away mm. and it was getting worse and worse and worse. You're and when super I was younger, young to have things like that. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's honestly what, um, what pretty much every doctor said to me at the time, it was like, well, you're young, you're fine, just rest and you'll be okay. Yeah. That you're was working it. too hard, cut it, cut out the gym. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Stop lifting, whatever it might be. And did you, um, um did you I, listen I or did you did. keep going? I actually did. It, yeah. it got bad enough to be honest, where I was, I, I was like, okay, you tell me to take two months off. I'm going to do it. And yeah. it still wasn't getting better. Um, so long story short, I had to actually get uh, surgery to kind of reconstruct my right hip. And in that downtime, to be honest, I know that this sounds weird, but I think that that time was the best time for my metabolism to, to just reset, even though it was a really hard time because, you know, you kind of you can't really move. That recovery is like nine months long. It's not short at all. So yeah. you can't really do a whole lot. But I started to see some of my hormones level out again. Like I think just from me not constantly being in this chaos, go, go, go mode, like surgery forced me <laughs> to to just reset a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I started to recognize like, you know, I did have surgery and, and that helped the hip pain. But I was still having a lot of pain pretty much all the time. Like I got injured really easily. I think my coaches kind of thought that I was just doing it for attention 
action or just super injury prone kind of for no reason or I don't know because I've always had great technique on everything and then one of my uh, physical therapist friends he he was just watching me move one day and he was like you know you're very hypermobile right and I was like what's that yeah <laughs> And I was always like always able, I was the, the person in, in martial arts and in dance that was able to do the full splits, um, do all of these crazy kind of get in, get myself into these crazy positions. And that's actually why I was really good at Olympic lifting because mm. I was just able to get under the bar further than everyone else. But a couple of years ago, uh, you know, I was looking, I, so sorry, backing up, I started looking more and more into hypermobility and how little information there was out there about it. Yeah. And um, just really educating myself on what that was. And there is a very specific kind of extreme form of hypermobility called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And I wasn't officially diagnosed with that actually until like last year, because I actually I went and sought it out. Like, can mm. you just confirm for me that I have this? Yeah. <laughs> and um and the the gist of it is that some people are born with more elastin in their bodies than collagen. And when you have more elastin in your body, you will move beyond your normal and healthy range of motion and really not even know it because your body doesn't give you that pain response that most people have. Yeah. So... I did a lot of damage to my body from a very young age. And <laughs> here I am kind of trying to help other people, not just with hypermobility, but just people with chronic pain in general, you know, because yeah. I do get it. I So I'm surprised that the doctors who treated you when you were like in your late teens were willing to do like reconstructive joint surgery without knowing why. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it sounds like you needed it and, and all that. So it's not to knock having it or anything, but it's like, isn't there a responsibility to understand what's going on so you don't just wind up in the same spot again? You you would think that, right? Um, I, uh, I, I don't know if it was maybe access to care because I don't like to make general sweeping statements about about the healthcare industry. Yeah. I don't know what doctors are saying to people about this stuff nowadays. Um, I, I do know that at that time in my life, I didn't have health insurance. Like I didn't come from a wealthy family or yeah. anything. I was on my own. So maybe it was just kind of the access to the care that I had. Yeah. But I never, I think I heard maybe once that I had like some, some joint hyperlaxity or something yeah. like when I was really young, but that was it. Yeah. Nobody ever said anything to me other than that. I don't have Ehlers-Danlos, but I do have hyperlaxity okay. um, in my ligaments specifically. And so I've had yeah. 14 or 15 surgeries at this point. Oh, wow. Um, and similar kind of thing. Like, I don't realize that there's an issue. And then, yeah. like, you know, lo and behold, I've been repeatedly pounding a joint in a way that it shouldn't be pounded. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, like just joint after joint I've got lots of issues with them and i used to be when i was obese it was a non-issue like my knees would hurt just from the yeah. weight they're carrying but i was sedentary and so where where i'm going with this is um yeah the work that you're doing the reason why it speaks to me is i feel like the first diagnose or the first like advice you got of like just take you know whatever time off two months or whatever it is 
I feel like that's sort of the response to pain in fitness is like, if you're in pain, just stop it all. And so yeah. we end up with this black and white. And, and of course, like either you go down that sedentary path or the whole time you're freaking out because you've lost everything you'd worked hard to right. build. And what happens when you come back, when you're recovered, you hit it even harder and you end yeah. up back in the same. And that's part of my cycle of some of those, um, at least some of my knee ops have been like, dude, you should not have hit running that hard when you came back into it. Um, so that it, what, what you're working on is really appealing to me because it, it's to me, it's like this story of balance that a lot of us struggle with. So tell yeah. me more about how you got into that and, and what the approach is about. Yeah, you know, I it's it's really interesting to hear you say that because I guess I have a question for you first. Um, what after you started to recognize that you were doing things that were damaging? Yeah, was it still hard for you to switch paths, fitness wise? Like, was it hard for you to stop doing those things still? Yeah. Um, yeah. This sounds ironic, but the thing that taught me to deal with that was training for a marathon. Oh, which sounds wow. ridiculous. People are like, wait. That... So yeah. the yeah. thing about marathon training is, I mean, depending on your plan, you have a rest day. And I hadn't had a rest day since. Yeah. The only time I would ever have a rest day is surgery day. Okay. And like through since like 2011. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even then it was like, maybe I could work out before we go to the hospital, you know, because <laughs> I'm, well, I'm not going to be able to for however long. Um, yeah. You know, so yeah, I mean, I remember like I had a bilateral hernia operation and I remember pushing really quickly to get back out there. And my doctor was like, you're doing great. And like your muscles are doing well, like go for it. And like, I totally pushed myself and I did really well until my knee crashed. And so it was forcing myself in my training plan to have that day off. Yeah. That's when I, and to like learn to find comfort in that and not freak out that like, okay, I just destroyed every bit of training I've ever done, which is kind of as a former fat guy, like I, I, yeah. I had this fear that like, look, if you miss a day, you're going to gain all the weight back, which is totally irrational, but that's how it feels. Um, so it, yeah. it was five months of marathon training. I didn't particularly long training. That's what taught me. It forced me to get comfortable because I had a coach who was making sure that I wasn't cheating. Um, right. So right. now like I will take time off and like, I'm not running right now because I have another torn meniscus and I'm hell bent on not having surgery for it. And that just yeah. means I got to respect it. And, yeah. Know, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's a pretty normal, not, I don't like to say normal, but that's a very common yeah. response I see, especially that from fear. people that have, uh, I, I think when you, when you make some kind of a transformation with fitness and it doesn't have to be anything extreme, even, yeah. even though yours, it sounds like was when you make some kind of a transformation with fitness, you have a piece of your identity that is wrapped up in it. Totally. And wrapped up very specifically in 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 what you're doing not just generally i'm an active person i can you know i'm very fluid about things here and there no it's usually like i am a runner or i yeah. am a crossfitter or i am a lifter that is part of who i am right that is really hard for people to let go of that was really hard for me to let go of which now that i say it 
it sounds a little silly because of all of the damage I was doing to my body constantly. <laughs> but it really is like you have to mourn the loss of potentially like not not stopping activity altogether. And I think that's where the healthcare system gets it wrong. But shifting what you're doing a little bit so that it more closely aligns with your goals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what that's what pain-free fitness is all about. It's uh, you don't have to have this huge uh, mental strain when it comes to fitness. You don't have to damage your body in order to make progress. You do have to look at what you're doing and look at where you want to be and kind of know your why and really be rational about is what I'm doing aligning with my ultimate why. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I take it a lot of your work is not like, okay, let's go do this many reps of this set. And it's more like, let's talk about why we're here in the first place and let's design something in alignment with that. So it's more like getting into the person's life. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, my programs are really not a, uh, a kind of, you know, one size fits all type of a thing with my yeah. clients. We adjust usually like some with some of my clients, I'll adjust daily. I have a client um, who's awesome, but she has something called mitochondrial myopathy. So it's a form of muscular dystrophy. And with her, I mean, you could have a different, she could have a completely different response one day than she does the next day mm. to just a warm up, you know? And so for her, it's more like, okay, let's, let's try this tomorrow. Let's try this. You know, it's very, very uh, based on biofeedback and what your body is actually doing. Yeah. And that, that can, that can be a tough barrier to break through with people that are really attached to doing things a certain way, because I'm like, oh, I, I'm going to challenge that a little bit. You yeah. know, why, why do you think you need to do that? Why do you think you need to do that still? Yeah. I imagine there's a huge lesson in learning to listen to your body. Yeah. For, for everyone you work with, because that, that's going to be so crucial to know, like, especially in your case where you didn't know until it was too late that you mm -hmm. were doing damage so like how do you hear the key the, the cues ahead of time and also how do you suss out the ones that like it's not real or like it's a passing thing and it just needs a little bit of rest or you know it's not like oh you've gone too far because it that can be a tough line to walk between the real threat and something that you know maybe is more passing and that signal in our brain that's trying to protect our lives um, yeah you know, saying you're wrong is is dangerous yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not easy. I think a lot of clients that come to me are sort of already in that place where the issue that they're dealing with is more on the chronic side. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're always ready to change. Um, I think that a lot of people, a lot of people fight they're fighting to get back to like a former version of themselves, if that makes sense. And I have to be very realistic with people that that may not be, that may not be a healthy goal, you know? Well, oh, I, I just, I just want my body to feel like it did two years ago. Okay. You know, maybe it will one day and that would be great. But what if, well, like, what if your body never feels like it did two years ago? Are you going to continue to be unhappy and, and, you know, feel like you're constantly not doing the right things. So I, I think that a lot of my clients, that's, that's more of the focus. Like, yeah, there is, there are some people that have 
some issues, I guess, discerning what might be wrong and kind of like, I have to train people not to freak out if they have a flare up or something like that. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> it's, it's such a multifaceted thing and very emotional in nature, really. Yeah. Yeah. Was this all born of, of your own path? Or was this like, have you always been interested in this since you started getting into exercise more? Kind of. Yeah. You know, my, so I have an older sister who's been actually paralyzed since she was like 18. Wow. Um, and I really was the only active person in my family. Um, so I've always been, how do I say this? I've, I've always been, I've always felt like I was kind of on borrowed time and needed to do something that was very important for people. Mm. And I think that this kind of naturally evolved from kind of my own pain story and probably, you know, seeing all the things that my sister went through and everything like that. But how did, how, I mean, it took me probably seven years to get to the point that I am now psychologically with my training and knowing that things are okay and things are going to shift and I'm still going to make progress and there's always something else I can do. And I just want to help people get over that hump faster than I did. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. that's really respectable. I mean, it, that's, that's a really great purpose. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's a nice kind of push to keep yourself. Okay. Yeah. Cause if, if you go too far in any of those moments that other people won't be able to be helped through your hands. Yeah. Right. This, exactly. yeah, this, this is super interesting to me. And I, like, and I'm also, I'm, I'm curious about Ellers Danlos as well and how front and center that is for you in your life today. What, like, what do you face as a result of that? Cause I think, you know, we were talking before, like my family and I have familiarity with it. Someone in my son's school, one of his teachers has it, um, talking about American Ninja Warrior, like one of the, mm -hmm. the competitor's wives has it. Um, yep. So we, we've had some familiarity with it, but only that much. Yeah. I think a lot of Americans haven't. Um, so what does it mean yeah. for you? Like what's, what is life like with it? Aside from the hypermobility. I, I am in some level. Yeah. I, I'm in some level of pain pretty much every day. I, I don't connect very strongly just to be quite frank with, with the syndrome Ehlers-Danlos, because like I said, I've been in pain for, you know, well over a decade yeah. and I just got that official diagnosis less than a year ago. So yeah. to me, it's just, I have chronic pain. Yeah. I, I do think that a lot more people deal with issues with hypermobility than, than we know. Mm -hmm. And I think that the hypermobility is hugely downplayed and it's, it doesn't have to be systemic like it is for me or for you. Sometimes it's just in one joint and it's a compensatory thing. And we need to actually get to the bottom of why that's happening. Mm -hmm. And I wish that there was a little bit more work being done on that side of things. And that's what I'm really interested in getting into. You know, how, how do we find the, the root cause of people's issues and actually tailor treatment to them? Mm. Um. But, you know, when it when it comes to my life, being in pain is just it's just normal, you know, and it's it's not something that really freaks me out anymore. Some days it's worse than others. Some days I can do certain things. Um, some days I can't, you know, and it's I just adjust around that. I, I think I've developed a very 
uh, I'm in a state of just radical acceptance. Not that I don't do things every day to make myself feel better, but I accept where I'm at, you know? That's a really, um, it's a beautiful way to look at it. Yeah. I feel for you at the same time. And I imagine this wasn't always how you felt towards it. Was, was there a particular thing that shifted it? for you or like when do you, when do you look back and you're like this is where I sort of came to to the place I am now with this you know I honestly so you are completely right especially when I was first injured and I didn't I didn't know what was going on like I hadn't had any imagery I I just knew that my hips and my back and my shoulders and all of my joints hurt <laughs> yeah this is like before my surgery I was I was in a really tough mental spot because I couldn't do the things that I thought defined me anymore, like athletically. Mm-hmm. And that was really, really tough for me. And honestly, I think it was going through having surgery, like getting to a point where I was so fed up with it, where I was like, I don't care if I have to lay in bed for six months, not that that's what you do, but I don't care. Like I will do anything. Let's just get over this initial hump. And then yeah. after the six months, you know, a year later, I wasn't any worse off. And I think that that was a really big perspective builder for me. Like you can, you can really take a, a a pretty big hit to your fitness and still get back to where you were or not where you were, but kind of get back to a new version of healthy and fit. And I think that's, we get into sort of a disaster mindset when it comes to, um, when it comes to injury and feeling like we are doomed if we can't do certain things and oh my god I'm going to lose everything that I've built and that's just not the case so that's that's I think the the mindset that I've broken out of thankfully (laughs) yeah I I totally agree with you um yeah that that disaster kind of thinking look the timing of this conversation um (laughs) couldn't be any more pro- so the the webinar we got connected on was about how like as california was going into a shelter in place which i think san francisco is the first to hit it and then the yep. state joined in um yep. we're all in the midst of some pretty strange times where getting back to the way things were just like you were talking about a moment ago you know, that's front and center for us. Accommodations, changes, yeah. adaptations to a very different situation that we face is front mm-hmm. and center. Whether we're talking about fitness or otherwise, I mean, that was the piece that you brought to the webinar was, okay, how do you bring fitness into the equation if you are staying at home all the time? You know, your gym's closed down or you're, yeah. you can't go on your favorite running route or, or whatever, or, or go out with your running group or something. You know, these are yeah. things that are different now. Um so while while we're talking about fitness and pain, actually, this is a much broader message that literally every single person in this country either is facing or should be if they would pay attention to what we're all supposed to be doing. Absolutely. Yeah, I think putting it into the perspective of, you know, because I, I know that you've dealt with this, too, but, uh, you know, anxiety and depression are definitely a part of my story as well. I think with I think with a lot of kind of high achievers and people that want to serve, I'm sure those issues come into play. But that just to be completely transparent, just ha- taking that same approach with my anxiety right now and saying, you know, uh, OK, m- maybe life isn't going to be the same af- after this is over. Maybe it is. Yeah. 
in any case, I, I need, I need to learn to be happy no matter what, because at the end of the day, what really matters, you know? So I, I don't think any of us are going to, whether it's about your fitness or just about, about our situation or about life in general, I, I know that when I'm kind of um, coming to my final days, I'm not going to wish that I worried more about stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about that piece of it. The, the yeah. emotional state that, I mean, yeah, live, living in pain every day is a hard place to start from anyway, because it does take a lot from you energy yep. wise. Um, and the uncertainty, again, a theme that we're all facing right now that, you know, we talked in that webinar about ambiguity in our lives. Um, so what are the things that, that you faced and what have you been able to do other than this great mentality of like, I'm not going to look back in my life and be like, oh gosh, I wish I had, you know, worried more about these things. Um, what's yeah. been helpful to you getting through this? And, and to be fair, a lot of people use exercise as one of those like cathartic deal with it kind of spaces. And yeah. if, if your pain is a real issue, you can't, or you can't do that right now, regardless of pain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm assuming we're talking kind of about the shelter in place order. Is it, or is it more like anxiety around kind of being in pain in general? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking about you, um, sure, you know, sure. and how it's yeah. been a part of, of your story and what, how have I just rambled on for a while. So I, it's easy no, to lose okay. but yeah, just like, you know, how does it play out in what you have faced? It's. It's definitely, it's still a struggle and I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this. I, I think sometimes like I, I came from somewhat of a chaotic place and I think sometimes when you come from something like that, when you're younger, you will create chaos just even in your brain. Mm to fill empty space. Yeah. And I still definitely feel like I'm I'm wired to do that. I have learned how to overcome that when it comes to my pain, not to go directly to chaos. But I don't know that I've learned to do that in other areas of life. And I can catch myself now, but I haven't completely been able to stop it. <laughs> that's really interesting. First of all, that's beautifully yeah. said. I've not heard it put that way. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. It's really interesting to me that you've done that with pain, but not other things. Yeah. Why do you think yeah, that is? I don't know. I, I, think, I think with pain for me, it's, it's such a constant that I just have accepted it as a way it's, it's just something that's in my life. Mm. Whereas I think I have put off maybe dealing with some of my, you know, anxieties and things like that, especially during times like these by pushing them off as situational mm. because my pain is not situational. My pain is constant, Yeah, but I do still find myself. And I don't know if, if you struggle with this at all too, I do still find myself that most of the time I can manage things. Okay. But if there's a situation yeah. that triggers my anxiety, I go to a hundred. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this is definitely one of those times where I've just had to, to learn not to do that or try, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, look, I, I certainly still face that. Um, I think a lot of us do and either hide it really well or we tuck it away. Like a lot of us learn to just eat that feeling. And the thing is like, you still deal with it, you know, just because it's not front and center. Um, I don't believe you can just stifle that inside. You've got to deal with it some way, somehow, just like your training work. Like you can't just be in pain and give into it because it will overtake your life. You have to find some way to work through it, some form of exercise that may help you with it, strengthen around yep. that, you know, th- there's a number of different things you can do yep. to have you feel some control again and hopefully minimize the pain at the same time. Um, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, if, if, a if somebody comes to me and they are, and they are in that place and, you know, I've had, I've had a lot of clients that are, um, really just trying to get them to do something every day, like one thing every day that makes them feel like they're making progress is huge. And so that's kind of a, I know I talked about this on the call with, um, with you and Fernando and Dr. O'Reilly as well, but that is a tenet that I use in my training with people. Like you, you might not be able to do the workout that I've planned for you today. You might not be able to, um, eat on the, you know, within the guidelines of what we've talked about, but do something that makes you feel like you've got to win. Yeah. Mm hmm. Do you do anything with gratitude or, and if Fernando's really big on that, um, around those things that make you feel good or feel like there's a win. So you recognize and reflect on it more. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I could probably do more of that. I, I will have people report them to me, you know, in addition to kind of giving me their feedback on the workouts and everything like that. And this, this hurt, this is not working for me today. Let's do something else. I do want them to tell me what they did well. And I get really excited when people give me that good news as well. Cause I think sharing, like acknowledging it for yourself is huge. Sharing yeah. it with another person, I think is like 10 times more powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, sharing it with you as part of your job, you're going to be supportive and celebrate. Yeah. So there's something to be said for having the right community around you. That's going to lift you up. Obviously if you have people who are going to put you down for it, don't share yeah. it with them. Yeah. Um, so like you're a safe place to turn for your clients. I think everyone somewhere in their circle has at least one person they can go to, but needs to think about that. Who is that person? And it may not be the one who's front and center, um, which is a different issue than maybe that person shouldn't be, but we don't yeah. always have that capability right there to, uh, to, especially right now we may be stuck at home. I'm not, but, <laughs> um, other not saying anything. Um, but yeah, you know, it may not be the person who's directly in front of you, or they may be too desensitized to seeing your need for that little celebration, even, yeah. even if they think it's small. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think having the right people around you is huge. And when it when it comes to the pain community, especially with athletes and former athletes, that's on honestly the biggest... Um, that audience tends to be the biggest, like they, they are the biggest saboteurs of people trying to do things that are genuinely good for their health because it's such a competitive world, you know? Yeah. So I, I do see that a lot and I'm, I just, 
it, it makes me sad sometimes, but I do try to just be that positive light for the person and say, I promise you're doing the right thing. Like just, you know, stay the course. Yeah. You know, I think that's one of the, the things that makes CrossFit the way it is, is mm -hmm. obviously not every box is like this, but so many of them seem to have this beautiful, strong, supportive, cheer you on community. They do. Um, and so like that, you know, that's really positive. The flip side is if you're going in the wrong direction and overdoing it, they're cheering you on the whole time. Generally, not again, like I'm generalizing. Yeah. It's not every box, but um, yeah. Yeah. The no, community I mean, side is beautiful. Slowing down, slowing down is not, is not popular for anybody that has been in any, whether it's CrossFit or any kind of competitive sport. Yeah. Slowing down is seen as a sign of weakness. And I think that that is a, a very tough mentality to break. That's probably the thing that took me so many years to get over, you know, recognizing that I, I'm not I'm not weak for doing the right thing for my body. <laughs> yeah, there's a difference between complacency and, and being smart. So, yeah. yeah. I wonder if martial arts comes into the equation at all for you, because there's a lot of mentality work in that. And again, depends on your dojo and who your sensei is and, and all that kind of fun stuff. But yeah. Um, does that ever come back around for you? Any of the lessons or the mindset or the, the approach to things? You know, I'm sure it does. It's not, it's not conscious. I started martial arts when I was five, I think. Yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> so I, I think I, I do remember having to recite the, the seven tenets, you know, which had everything to do with respect and authority and discipline and all of that. So I do think that it makes its way into my life, um, particularly when it comes to kind of what I like to call manufacturing motivation. <laughs> hmm. I, I so, think martial arts plays a huge role, huge role there. Talk about that. What is what is that to you? Manufacturing motivation. <laughs> so I. I think there's a there is a common misconception in the fitness world that anybody that is fit is just naturally really self-motivated yeah. and wants to be in the gym all the time and wants to work out every day and all that. And I will just I'm not going to speak for anybody else. I will tell you right now that is not me. <laughs> I um I have to manufacture motivation to mm -hmm. get to get myself into that space. And I, you know, as you saw, like I am in prep for a competition and I, I am doing all of that, but I think there's almost a taboo about talking about, that. you know, mm -hmm. it's like, if you say that you're not, that you're not motivated to go to the gym, um, people will shame you for it. And I, I just, I don't think that relying on motivation and feeling like it is a great way to go. I think a lot of the time it is discipline. Yeah. And for me, that's where, that's where my martial arts background comes into play. Do you, you talked before about having that why or that ultimate goal. Is that, is that where you would point your clients to from a motivation standpoint then to reconnect with that purpose? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And up to this point, I have a good mix. I have a mix of clients that are kind of the former athletes or current athletes that might be recovering. And I have to actually, I have to remind them of their why in the opposite way, mm. you know, but what, what is your why? Do you want to be able to, to play with your kids in five years? Because right now you're messing up your back so much that you might not be able to, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I have to pull them back. And then I do have others that are, are very down on themselves and maybe, um, and maybe 
more in the opposite direction. And with those, with those people, I, I try to remind them that you can't wait to feel something before you do something. You know what I mean? You're, you, a lot of people come at me with, well, my back hurts today, so I'm not going to do anything or X, Y, or Z is happening today. I'm tired, so I'm not going to do anything. And it's very possible that your back might hurt and you might be tired every day of your life (laughs) for the rest of your life. So what are you going to do then? You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly what I feel every day. Yeah. And part of why I exercise is because if I don't, my back will continue to hurt. And it's it's a series of exercises. I make sure I do every day to just bring, I've had back surgery. So I know like, look, I need to care for that part of my body. Wow. And if it doesn't feel right, you know, I, I know the nuances. So sometimes certain moves shouldn't happen, but generally it's about just kind of bringing those muscles back into activation. Um, and then being mindful of my, um, posture, which working from home, sitting all the time is not, I used to have a standing desk, so it's not working out. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But that's great that you know that. I mean, that's, that's another huge thing that when I first take on a client, I, I will teach them that it's not about eliminating your pain forever, especially chronic pain, like back pain. It's very unlikely that we're going to get them to a place where they're just not going to hurt anymore, but it's about knowing what to do when a flare up happens and knowing how to reduce the length of that yes. as best as possible, that's where we try to get with that. Yeah. Right. For someone who's listening, who is in that chronic pain situation, maybe pushed it mm-hmm. too hard, or maybe, you know, there's a medical condition that they have, or, or they've been in an accident or something else. How would you recommend they start looking into a path forward on having fitness in their life in a more pain-free way? So the first thing that I always recommend, which is kind of vague, is is finding a practitioner that is willing to get to the root cause with you. Um, because it's kind of difficult for people to know how to move forward if they don't know the ins and the outs of what's going on with them. Yeah. So finding either a physical therapist or a, a trainer that specializes in in what you might be dealing with that can help you figure out the best path forward for you. That would be the first step. Um, Sometimes that's self-research. That's what it had to be for me for a long time. And then just recognizing that healing is not linear. People think that healing goes like this, kind of in a straight line, and it is just all over the place. (laughs) Uh, For people who can't see, like your hand is waving all over in circles. and (laughs) Circles and circles. Totally. Um, recognizing that and accepting that and, and trying to, trying to connect with kind of what your ultimate why is for wanting to be healthy Mm -hmm. and knowing that if you can just take one step towards that every day, and there's usually always something that you can do. If you can just take one step towards that, think about where you're going to be a year from now, you know, or two years or 10 years. But if you just continue to wait and, you know, sometimes it's wallowing or sometimes it's trying to push through it, you know, how is that going to serve you in the long term? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It goes back to your point about those, like every day of something that you can celebrate, that you can feel as a win. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. And sometimes, some days that might be a different win because the win that was available to you yesterday might not be available today just yeah. because, yeah. and that's okay. I find um, it's easier. Doesn't mean it's easy, but it's easier to find a physical therapist who specializes in what you're facing because they're specialized and it's listed on their websites and there's a network and there's ways to search them out than it is to find a personal trainer. Yep. But often those therapists have a network of trainers and other people they work with who also have the same specialization. So if you start yes. with PT, I'm a big fan of PT in general, but if yeah. you start with PT, if you're if you're finding a dead end of like I want to start training but I don't know who to go to the PTs might even just call in their office they might yeah. have a base of people to refer you to who have a similar specialization to what they do exactly yeah exactly and the nice thing too is that so many PTs are virtual nowadays mm -hmm. um I work with a woman pretty frequently named Christine Koth K O T H and she is that's her Instagram handle but she uh, she and I work together a lot and kind of refer people to each other a lot because we have that relationship that you're talking about where mm. she's, she is a, a physical therapist. She will go through certain, certain things. And once the person is ready, she can transfer them off to me and we kind of go over the maintenance piece of it. Yeah. So that's a great relationship to have. And can you, do you do what you do remotely as well? I know you also have a gym, although it's not open at the moment, but yeah. Um, yeah, so you do this so people don't have to find someone co-located or, or close to them. There are distance-based yes. solutions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, pain-free pain fitness is um, pretty much 100% digital, so all of my clients are online. Uh, there's, there's so many people doing it nowadays, and I think just finding someone that's willing to listen to you and make sure that they have your goals in mind, not just theirs, that's a yeah. huge one. <laughs> Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's a big piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. You get to fail them out. So it doesn't mean the first person you find yeah. is the one you have to work with. So find the one who yep. seems to speak your language. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I think, I think just, just a couple of pieces on that, because this is something that is, that's really important to me because of all my experiences, um, finding someone for the first time or kind of having a first consultation with someone, if a practitioner is talking more than they are listening, that's probably a bad sign in, in your first initial intake with them. Yeah. Um, and if you start to work with them and you notice that they seem to care more about their goals for you, or they're kind of projecting their goals for you onto you, um, that's also something else that you want to watch out for. So you want someone that is going to listen and adjust based on what you need for your purpose. I'm writing this down because I want to make sure I get it, but I can go back and sure. type it out when I listen to the notes. I don't have to break the flow of the show. Um, <laughs> well, so I mean, on that point, like that's, that's really good. Two really crucial points that I will definitely get in the show notes. Cause I think actually either a lot of people need this right now or I hate to say it, there's a good chance at some point in their life, whether because something happened or just getting to be more my age than your age, they'll start to feel things. And why not yeah. actually have the right approach from the start so that it doesn't trend in the wrong direction and those like undulating spinning lines of healing 
go in the right general direction but that takes mm-hmm. that takes the right kind of structure before it's too late if you have that option like much better to do it then so i think a lot of people need yep. <laughs> need to yep. know about this and what to look for exactly exactly and i think some people they don't know what to look for and they they wind up having a negative experience yeah. maybe with a practitioner or with a trainer or something like that and um you know, that, that can be traumatizing for people. So just knowing what to look for is huge. Mariah, where can people find more about you? Speaking of looking for, where can they find out about the work that you do and learn more about all your stuff? Yeah. So the, the, yeah, the best, the probably easiest place to find kind of my most current stuff is on Instagram. And my handle is coach Mariah of pain-free fitness. And then my website is 10, like the number 10, minutefit.com. And it's and the I number, have not the word. A blog, you know, exercises you can do for certain things. Uh, yep, number 10, 10 minute, minutefit.com. Awesome. And there's resources people can get right now and can look into more and, and working one-on-one with you to get more help. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, my my ebooks are on that site, and um, I'm I offer free consultations, so always happy to to get in contact. And I think because a lot of people are working from home right now, or suddenly finding themselves mm-hmm. free, that you have that many fewer excuses to actually doing something for yourself. A lot of us suddenly yeah. have flexibility in our days that we didn't necessarily have before try to figure mm-hmm. these things out. So it's a good time to think about it. Um, Absolutely. Mariah, thank you so much for joining me. Is there, is there anything else yeah. we didn't touch on that you're like, Brian, this is crucial. And you didn't even ask me about it. <laughs> um, no, you know, I think we, I think we touched on a lot of it. I think um, I, I, I really just want people to know that if they are, if they are dealing with, with chronic pain, there is, there is a way to deal with that and to um, make progress and that it's going to be okay. Mm. You know, I wish someone would have told me that like 10 years ago, like you're, you're going to be fine. Even if your pain doesn't go away, you're going to be fine. <laughs> That's a good note of hope. Yeah. Things out on. I like that. Yeah. Thank you for that. And thank you for speaking openly about your own journey. And I know, um, it can be hard sometimes to go back and think about some of those tougher moments or some of the things that we endure, but, um, I know you've had lots of time with it and your, your yeah. relationship to that experience is, is pretty strong. Um, yeah. but still, I appreciate you sharing it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to, I think now is a time when we should be sharing vulnerable things like this, you know, I think everybody's feeling a little vulnerable right now. <laughs> absolutely. Um, Mariah, are you ready to help me close the show out? I sure am. All right. Today is a new day. Go out and do it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mariah. Thank you. Isn't that awesome? That is something we all need. And she gives really clear advice on how to go about bringing this into your life. And of course, you know, you can search for someone, you can work with Mariah directly. And this is a perfect time because pretty much all of us is home. So accessing someone like Mariah virtually to give you some guidance, to give you a routine, give you things you can do in your home, well, then you have no more excuse for not taking your fitness seriously. And if you're someone who lives with chronic pain, 
what a beautiful time to bring some movement into your life to help protect you from them. So check out Mariah10MinuteFit.com on social media. It's Coach Mariah Pain-Free Fitness. Like she said, Instagram is is the uh, you know the main place that you can find her on social media. But it's awesome. It's not a huge time commitment, but it's a huge commitment from the standpoint of the importance for your life. So I very strongly urge you to go check Mariah out. 10minutefit.com at Coach Mariah Pain-Free Fitness on Instagram. I'm so thankful that you were here for another episode. We've got a great one next week. And then the big one, episode 100, which I did a little bit differently. For those of you who've been listening to the show for a while, you will recognize the names and the voices that are in there. Um, It was a really timely and important conversation. I'm really excited to bring that to you. I keep having to hold myself back from releasing it early, but it's got to come out at the right time and make it official, episode 100. I'm so excited to share that with you guys. Listen, if you haven't subscribed to the show yet, that's the only thing I'm going to ask you to do right now. Go subscribe to the show so you don't miss episode 100. I can promise you we all need the message in that episode. It's a really great conversation from more than just one guest, and it's super valuable. So go to whatever platform you listen to podcasts in, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, something else that I can't think of, but it's out there. I don't know. There's a lot of podcast platforms out there. Subscribe to Do A Day and don't miss this episode. And next week, I'm coming with a really inspiring guy named Nathan Todd, who's awesome. That's all I'm going to say about him. Um, Well, I'll say a little bit more. No labels. All right. I'll leave it at that. Check out next week. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Don't miss next week's episode. And hey, if you've already subscribed, thank you. You're amazing. Why don't you leave a review for the show? Super helpful to keep the show growing and make sure that episode 100 gets the listening that it needs because it's a message so many people need to hear. And I will have some additional special news in episode 100 for everyone. All right, I'm going to leave it there. Even though you may not be able to physically go out and do it, that should never stop you from taking your life seriously each day and going out and doing it. Thanks, everyone.